Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. I'd like to welcome all those that are visiting with us today. Everyone's attendance is greatly appreciated, and it's my desire that we'll study God's Word and that we'll learn something. Maybe we'll learn something new. Maybe we'll learn something a little deeper than our previous learning. I will echo Zach's appreciation to everyone who helped us yesterday. Uh, I know Zach and Bailey appreciated um, the assistance that everyone provided. We had a long convoy. We looked like the Clampets going down 635. Uh, I don't know if I've quite seen something like that before on 635, but it uh, it was good and it was fast and I appreciate everyone's help. My niece Erin gave birth to a healthy baby boy last week, so congratulations to my sister for becoming a grandmother. Congratulations to my parents for becoming great-grandparents for the first time. This baby boy is my great-nephew. Now, I don't know when in life you actually become old, but just saying great-nephew makes me feel a little old. My family will tell you that I've always been old. Katrina will say that I was born 40 years old. I have good friends who say, Brad, you are the youngest old man I know. And I am. I own that. I can definitely be grumpy from time to time. I see a lot of negative in situations, and I'm skeptical of a lot of things. That's who I am. That's how I'm wired. So the topic this morning is something that I struggle with, and it's something that I needed to study, and I wanted to share this with you today. The topic of this morning is finding joy. We'll talk about um, a few of these things indirectly, but we won't be focused on happiness. We won't be focused on scriptures that says rejoice in the Lord always. We won't be focused on scriptures that state specifically that if you're a Christian that you're going to live a long and happy life without any struggles. We, you won't hear me say that your marriage is going to be perfect. You won't hear me say that being a Christian means that you won't struggle, that your kids will always obey you, and that you're going to have financial freedom. But what I hope that you hear me say this morning is that you can find joy, even through all our struggles, because our trials have a purpose and should be viewed as a gift. I'll be studying out of the New King James this morning. Our study will be focused on James 1 and 2, which says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. To understand some of the things that we're going to talk about today, it's important to know a little bit about James. So James was Jesus' brother. We learned that in Matthew 13 and 55 which says, Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Josie, Simon, and Judas? It is important to know that James is Jesus' brother, and we'll get into that in a little bit later. So James obviously wrote the book of James. James 1 says this, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. So it's very common when we start a new book in the Bible that there's a short introduction uh, describing uh, 
who they are writing to uh, with a salutation. And in this case, James says, greetings. So we learn that James is writing to the 12 tribes, and we instantly learn that they're going through a hardship. The verse says that they are scattered. These Christians are going through persecution. They have been scattered. They're on the run. They're hiding. So think about who James is writing to here and and what they're going through. And think to yourself, how can I compare to this? James is specifically writing to a group of believers who were uneasy and concerned with what was going on in their life. A group of believers who were going through a difficult time. A group of people who were not where they wanted to be. A group of people who desired something else than their current situation and what they were dealing with. Does that describe you? Uneasy? Concerned? Difficult times? Desiring something different? Have you ever wanted something different than what life was currently dealing you? As you look at these bullet points, can you see yourself in them? Have you ever went through a difficult period and you found yourself struggling? I know you have, and I have too. And we attempt to make good decisions for ourselves and for our families and for our families, but sometimes it just feels like we can't catch a break. And some of us here today have found ourselves in the low of lows. There was a period of your life that brought pressures and trials and uncomfortable situations. Some of you have found yourself in those situations, and fortunately, you're in a better place today. But there may be some of you that feel like you're living that life right now. You feel like this dark shadow is right above your head, and you take two two steps forward, and that shadow jumps two steps forward with you. And you finally stretch a a couple of good days together, and, and you're starting to feel good about things, and bam, Another trial hits you right between the eyes. If either of these dis- uh, situations describes you and what you're going through, then James is writing to you. Knowing that there are times that we're going to go through trials, James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Life as as we've experienced, it throws us a curveball from time to time. It happens. We might go through a period of time when things are good, work is good, family is good, financial situations are good, our involvement in the church, our attendance at church is good. Then we encounter a trial. Something disrupts our life. And sometimes these events, they hit us square in the face. And and it's like a momentary shock. We're like, what is going on? Sometimes our trials are more than momentary. And they take us a while to get over. You ever been through domestic violence? This is a trial that's emotionally and physically exhausting. It's very difficult on families. 
Have you been through a major car accident? The trials that it takes to get through that and sort through bodily harm and insurance issues, that takes a while. Have you been through bankruptcy? Takes years to recover. Have you been through a long journey of illness and disease? Have you had an unexpected loss in the family? Some trials are just difficult. Some of these trials feel like that they're never going to end. We worry, we lay in bed, we can't shut our minds off. And we struggle understanding why, why is this happening to me? Trials are not fun. But the scripture points out some very important things that for us to remember that we have to remember when we weather these storms. The first point that we'll discuss this morning is that trials are unavoidable. They're going to happen whether we're ready for them or not. James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Notice that he says when. He doesn't say if. He says when. And that's because James knows that the trials will come and that we will face these trials throughout our lifetime. There are trials that we are facing right now. Trials are unavoidable. Some of you are worried about your current employment. You're looking for jobs and you're going through the interview process and that is a highly stressful time. Many of you are raising teenagers and that's all that I need to say about that. <laughs> it's difficult and it's stressful. Some of you are preparing to send a child off to college or the next phase of life outside of your house and those are difficult situations. Some of you are navigating the waters of starting a family or buying a home, and with, and with those trials, there's a lot of dominoes that have to fall at a very specific time, and it's stressful, and it's hard. James reminds us that trials are not avoidable. Some of you are dealing with health issues, doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment, and test after test, and stressful night after stressful night, and prayer after prayer. Some of you are dealing with marriage issues. Some of you are dealing with extended family issues. And some of you are dealing with addiction issues. Remember, James reminds us that trials are not avoidable. That doesn't mean that we don't struggle with them or struggle understanding them and why we're facing them. I don't think that we can read the scriptures without seeing that God grieves for us. God saw sin in the world, and it grieved him. God saw that the children of Israel were struggling with bondage, and he desired to provide something better. God saw the children of Israel being disobedient, and it grieved him. God saw a sinful world, and he knew that we needed a Savior. It's important that we understand that while it's difficult for us to understand our pain, it's difficult to understand our pain sometimes. But God is capable of bringing good out of it. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking right now, you're thinking, Brad, I came this morning to be enlightened, and I'm not feeling real good about this topic. Bear with me for a few minutes. We're going to get there. See, with these trials that we're going to face, that doesn't mean that we can't find joy. We can find joy. James reminds us that our trials, that, that we have goodness 
Our trials are not avoidable, but they have a purpose. And that is what James continues to explain to us, that our trials have a purpose. James said, count it all joy. Count it all joy. He said, when you face those trials, find the joy. Anthony and I, we text back and forth a lot. We talk about church. We talk about family. Uh, we, we talk about barbecue. We talk about how chili should be made with beef and not turkey. I kid with Anthony on his famous turkey chili. But I'll also give him, give him credit for the last chili cook-off winner at the same time. Anthony and I, we have the same old model truck. Same model, same year. So we're always going back and forth on, hey, have you seen this issue? Because my truck's making this noise. What'd you do when you had this problem? Hey, have you encountered this noise before? <laughs> it's nice to have someone you can go back and forth. Well, what have you done? How have you fixed that? So we go back and forth because we're old trucks. What do you always do in an old truck? You're always fixing an old truck. Recently, Anthony had said something about working on his truck, but he didn't always have the right tool. So he faced the trials of fixing this broken down truck again, and I found the joy for him. I said, Anthony, you get to go buy a new tool. <laughs> this is a perfect excuse to go buy a new tool. Who doesn't find joy in buying tools? I remember when Katrina and I bought our first home, I had a little red toolbox and it had 15 tools in it. I learned very quickly with owning a home that I was going to need more than 15 tools. Zach called me a few weeks ago, and he said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, I'm fixing something. I'm always fixing something. Between a home and kids, there's always something to fix. And he went, oh, I guess I got, I guess I got that to look forward to. And I said, yeah, but you get to go buy new tools. Buying tools is great. Buying tools is wonderful. But what's even better than buying a new tool is when you get to use it the second time and you already have it and you don't have to go buy it again. Finding joy in our trials can be a difficult thing. It takes maturity. It takes the act of going through trials to be able to learn and appreciate them. It takes going through trials to be able to appreciate the small trials even more. It requires us to have a different perspective on things. We can dwell in the difficulty of our trials, or we can find the positive, and we can grow. We can grow as a person. We can grow in maturity. We can grow in spirituality. Think about this for a minute. So James is Jesus' brother. Think about all the trials that he watched Jesus encounter. Think about the hardships and the gossipings and the, and the way that his family was treated because they were related to Jesus. Now, sure, there was some good. They were treated well uh, from time to time. Some people welcomed them. Some people invited them into their homes. Some people wanted to be by Jesus. They wanted to touch Jesus. They would have fed him. There was some of that. But there was also a lot that despised Jesus. They despised him and everything that he stood for, and that would have had a direct effect on Jesus' family and his brothers. James watched his brother go through a wrongful trial and be sent to his death. James watched his mother grieve for her son. 
James knew what true trials were. He lived it. He experienced it. We've all experienced death in one form or another. But James had a different perspective on death. Because although we've all experienced death, for James, the death of his brother, it was very personal. It was a personal attack. And no doubt, it was a tremendous trial in his life. Let's look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, saying this, For I delivered to you first of all that which I, have, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to be present. But some have fallen asleep. This next scripture is very interesting. And I think that this is, a, this is critical to understand James and why he preaches for us to find joy through trials. We'll pick up in verse 7. At the bottom of the slide, after that, he was seen by James. And then by all the apostles. This is the moment where James takes a different perspective on life's trials. When James saw Jesus, he was able to see how God could bring something so positive out of something that started in such a negative way. For James, when he saw his brother alive and standing before him, that's when that would have been the moment where he realized that God can create a purpose out of his trials. This was eye-opening for James. This is when James realized that Jesus' death, he realized what it truly meant. James saw Jesus and knew that that sacrifice, as difficult as it was for his family, as difficult as it was to watch and hear that mob chant for his death, that's when he understood the blessings that came from the death of his brother. And, and it was this death that brings us the hope of redemption and salvation. Brothers and sisters, this is what God does with our pain. This is what God does with our trials. We get hurt and we want to bury our heads in the sand. We hurt and we're discouraged and sometimes that lasts for days and weeks and months. But as day by day passes, things get a little easier. And many times we look back on that event that we struggled with and we can see the positives that it created in our lives. God takes our trials and brings purpose out of them. Maybe we look back at the church family that raised us up and supported us through our trials. Thank God for a loving church family. Maybe we look back and we see our how our children dealt with stress and emotional issues, and we thank God for emotional strength. Maybe we look at a job loss and we find ourselves in a better place six months and 12 months down the road. Thank God for opportunities. Maybe we find ourselves struggling with relationships and with a marriage and we search the scriptures to find peace and comfort through difficult periods. Thank God for his holy word. What about those that came out of nowhere trial? We encounter those from time to time. Where'd that come from? 
surprise trial. I don't know, call it whatever you want. Those car accidents, those emergency, visit, emergency room visits during vacation, that strange collision on the ball field that leaves us with a broken wrist or torn up knees, we're going to have issues that pop up out of nowhere. And these situations make me think about the story of Jason. Jason of Thessalonica. In Acts 17, so during Paul's missionary travels, we learn in Acts 17 that he traveled to Thessalonica. Paul enters the city and he goes straight to the synagogue uh, to discuss and teach about Jesus, just like he had done multiple times. And based on his time in the synagogue and his teachings, the scripture says that some were persuaded. But the Jews that were not persuaded had become envious, and they started to form a mob. This is not the first time that we learn the difficulties uh, and even violence associated uh, to Paul during his travels. But something different happened this time. As we look at Acts 17 and 5, we see mentions of these evil men, the gathering of a mob, and that they set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. This is the first time Jason is mentioned in the scriptures. Very first time he's mentioned in the scripture and his house is getting attacked. Out of nowhere, Jason finds himself in the middle of a chaotic situation. So here's Jason minding his own business and now he's got a mob banging on his door. If you're Jason, you have to be thinking, what I do? What I do to deserve this? What did I do to deserve this trial? Things got worse for Jason. The mob busted into his house looking for Paul, and they didn't find him. So they dragged Jason out and took him to the local authorities. And they said, here's the man. Here's the man responsible for harboring Paul. See, they couldn't find Paul, but they found someone else. And as you all know, when you're dealing with someone who's irrational or with a group of irritated people, all rationale goes out the window. So since they couldn't find Paul, they completely disrupted Jason's life. One day, everything's going good. Church work's being conducted. People are being persuaded. People are being taught about Jesus. And, and Jason has Paul and possibly others staying at their house. They're enjoying each other's company. They're discussing Jesus and ongoing missionary work. And the next thing that Jason knows, he's getting dragged out of his house, put before the local authorities, and he has to pay a fine to get let go. Jason's trials served a purpose. Not only did, his, not only did he house Paul during this, this trip, this important trip, but he would have provided a place of rest, a place to eat, uh, many, many benefits to Paul during this journey. And although Jason had to endure being thrown in front of the local authorities, um, at least he was verbally assaulted, we, we know that. But what also we learn in Acts 17 is that Paul was able to leave and escape. So as Jason is taking the brunt of this, Paul was able to go on to the next city and continue his missionary journey. 
There's only one other scripture in the Bible that mentions Jason by name, Romans 16 and 21. And it says, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sophiter, my countrymen, greet you. These men, including Jason, were, they were companions of Paul. And Paul felt it worthy to mention them. What does that tell you about Jason? His name shows up like three, maybe four times in the entire Bible, but one of them is Paul is mentioning him. Did Paul appreciate the trials that Jason was willing to endure? Of course he did. It might have been difficult for Jason to understand what was happening and why it was happening, but we can read in this story and we can see the benefits of the trials that Jason encountered. We can see the gift to the early Christian church as Paul was able to escape and continue his travels. We can see, and you see, I'm not the only one. You aren't the only one who experiences surprise trials. These came out of nowhere trials. James addresses these came out of nowhere trials. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into Various trials. We look at the English Standard Version and it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. James reminds us that we will face trials of many kinds, even those that we didn't see coming. James also tells us that trials reveal the true nature of our faith. And James tells us uh, to count it all joy, Because it creates something. And he tells us what these trials produce in this next scripture. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. James here says that our trials are the testing of our faith. We all know what testing is. We take tests at school. Our manager may test us on our knowledge, may give us an opportunity and test how well we do. When we think about this statement, trials reveal the true nature of our faith. Let's look at these examples in the Bible. Matthew 8. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This man with leprosy had faith. He believed in Jesus, and he said, you can make me clean. This man's trials increased his faith in Jesus. Luke 5. Then behold, Luke 5 and 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed when they sought to bring and lay before them before him. And when they could not find how it might be bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the mist before Jesus. When he saw their faith, He said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. Skip to 24. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what what he had been lying on and departed into his own house, glorifying God. The paralyzed man, he had faith. His friends who helped him, they had faith. His trials through life, being paralyzed, and all the issues that he encountered with this illness increased his faith in Jesus. Luke 8 and 41. 
And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. So that's the start of it. Now Jesus is on his way to his house. And he enters, and there's this big crowd of people all around. And then this is what happens next. Uh, We'll skip to verse 46. But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. What healed this woman? Her faith. She had an illness, and she had this trial in her life, and the trials that she encountered increased her faith in Jesus. And Jesus healed her and said, Your faith has made you well. What happens when our faith is lacking? What happens when we think that we don't need Jesus? I don't need Jesus. I'm good right now. I can handle this. I know better. I can handle life circumstances. I have the ability to overcome things. Things are going really good for me right now. Jesus, not so important. I don't need to attend every worship service. I'm really tired today. I'm good. I'll just skip a few. Everything's going to be fine. Let me show you a few examples. So Acts 25 and 26, we have the story of Paul counseling King Agrippa. A chapter and a half, a chapter and a half in Acts is devoted to Paul teaching and discussing Jesus with King Agrippa. Being a king, there's no doubt that he had wealth, soldiers, access to many things that would have been reserved for royalty. In other words, he had everything he wanted. And we know how Paul's teachings um, of Jesus to King Agrippa ended in Acts 26, verse 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. King Agrippa lacked faith. He had everything he wanted, but he didn't have what he needed. Let's look at Matthew, where Jesus is counseling the rich young ruler. Matthew 19, we have an interaction between Jesus and and this man identified as the rich young ruler. The man is asking Jesus a question, and he's saying, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Jesus goes through this long discussion. He goes through these things, telling him uh, what he needs to be doing. And the man agrees, and he says, I've done all those things. I do those things. I am a good person. And then the conversation ends this way. Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But when the young man heard the sayings, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This man, defined as the scriptures, he was rich. He had great possessions. And he put the value in those possessions in front of the importance of following Jesus. I'm good. I got this on my own. Ultimately, this man lacked faith and lacked a desire for eternal life. 
There was other things that he found more important. The Bible gives us very specific examples of those who encountered trials and how it increased their faith. So remember that James tells us our trials reveal the true nature of our faith. And the last thing I want to point out this morning is that our trials are a gift. James says in verse 4, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When we have trials in our life, it's important that we pay attention to how we respond. Where do we run? Because we're either running to God or we're running away. We can be like the leper and the paralyzed and the sick woman, and we can run to Jesus, or we can be like the rich young ruler, and we can walk away. One of the hardest things about being tested in our faith is seeing our own imperfections. Self-reflection is hard. It's difficult. But our trials help us identify those imperfections. Our trials help us reveal what we may be lacking. I want you to think for a minute about one of the greatest trials that you had to overcome. Think for a second about that big trial. Big trial. Major impact on my life. Think about that type of a trial. Now think about how you overcame that trial. Think about what it did to your faith. Think about how it grew you closer to God. The trials that we encounter are God's way of growing us. I've had multiple conversations with people that will credit their growth and their overall faith and contribute that to a major trial in their life. Many of you can look at the darkest time in your life, the biggest overall trial that you faced and overcame, and you wouldn't change anything about it. Going through that trial, it wasn't pleasant, and I'm not saying that you want to go and do it all over again. But you can look back at that trial and you can see how you're better and stronger because of it today. Because what you see is you see growth and you see development and you see spiritual maturity. And you're a better person today. You have a stronger relationship with God today. Proverbs 24 and 16 says this, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again but the wicked shall fall by calamity. You have learned through your trials that you can get up. You've learned through your trials that your faith increased and that there was a greater benefit for you going through that trial than the difficulties that you encountered. And you learned through those trials to say, get behind me, Satan, because I'm getting up again. Trials are a gift from God. Because it's that most difficult time in your life that God transformed you. And that trial grew your faith. That trial is what grew your relationship with God and you sit here today and you're stronger and you're more mature in your faith. And as James said, 
more perfect, and more complete. I want to conclude this study this morning with one last scripture. In John 16 and 33, Jesus said this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. A lot of times people struggle with understanding why bad things happen to good people. Why did this trial happen to me? Why is my family going through this hardship? The truth of the matter is, being a Christian brings us a lot of joy. It doesn't shield us from trials. James taught us we're going to have trials. But it brings us a church family that we can fellowship with. Brings us a church family that will put a convoy out on 635 and move us from place to place. Jesus himself tells us that we're going to have tribulations in this life. That we will face trials. He tells us that we will have struggle that we will have struggles and that we should be of good cheer. And James knows that we will have struggles and he tells us to find joy. I don't think it's a coincidence that James and his bro- that Jesus and his brother James are telling us very similar messages. So the next time that we're faced with a trial in our life, maybe we look at it differently. Instead of dropping our head and thinking, why me? Why me? Maybe we look for the opportunity. James tells us that there is a perfect, there is a purpose and that there is a gift. And that will come out of that trial with a stronger faith and appreciation for Jesus Christ. I've appreciated your attention this morning. That's all the comments that, that I have prepared. We're going to close with an invitation song at this time. Maybe you've been struggling with trials in your life, and if that's the case and, and, and you're struggling with those things, that we'd love the opportunity to, to pray with you, to embrace you. Um, if you've been struggling with, with sin in your life and you'd like the burden of that sin washed away, And we'll be happy to to study with you, be happy to baptize you this morning for the remission of your sins. We can do that, um, but if there's one of either case, we just ask that you come and sit on this front row as we sing this song.